3: each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Edge with Jonathan Vontobel and Matt Humans on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is The Edge here on this Monday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Jonathan Von Tobel with you here today. We've got a good show on tap coming up in about 30 minutes. Ben Brown's going to be with us for Pro Football Focus. We spend so much time talking about. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Teams that are going to make it to the playoffs. Teams going over the win total. We're going to do a little bit differently with Ben. We're going to talk about some of the worst teams in the National Football League. And I've got a contender for worst record in the NFL that we'll talk to Ben Brown about coming up in 30 minutes from now. But we begin, of course, with the National Football League, as we have been trying to do here on the show, but also because we do have the news. If you've been buried under a rock, first, welcome to the daylight. Second, we do have some news in the National Football League. And that, of course, is Deshaun Watson's suspension recommendation has been handed down. Watson was handed a sixth game suspension. Now, here's the deal, and this is what we should probably clear up a little bit because there was a lot of reaction. Like, cool, we're done. That's it. Six games. We move on from here. Well, there's a process to this whole thing. Uh, Deshaun Watson's recommendation. The, re- the recommendation for Watson was. Six games. The National Football League now has three days to decide whether or not they want to appeal to essentially themselves. It would be Roger Goodell or a designee to do that. Here's Ian Rappaport from earlier today on NFL Network that would put it a lot better than I would, but by no means, Rappaport says, is this final.
1: This is a six-game suspension from Judge Shuel Robinson, but that is not final. As you mentioned, the NFLPA and on behalf of Deshaun Watson said yesterday that regardless of the outcome, they would – not challenge this and they would not appeal we have not yet heard from the nfl on whether or not they will appeal if the nfl does appeal it would appeal essentially to roger goodell or his designee and then it would be goodell or his designee deciding is six games enough for deshaun watson after violations of the personal conduct policy
4: so remember, in the National Football League, for those who don't remember, we're pushing for a full season suspension for essentially was indefinite, then, of course, be reinstated or up for reinstatement uh, at the end of the season. So it doesn't seem by any case that this is going to be over with. The NFL has actually released a statement. Uh, now, there was the boilerplate stuff. We thank Judge L Robinson, the Independent disciplinary Officer, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the statement, they say, pursuant to the collective bargaining agreement, the NFL or the NFLPA, on behalf of Watson, may appeal the decision within three days. In light of her findings, The league is reviewing Judge Robinson's imposition of a six-game suspension and will make a determination on the next steps. Now, yesterday we got a statement from the NFLPA that said they already did not, they were not planning on appealing the suspension. That kind of gave you an idea that this was going to be a lighter suspension than I think most were expecting, and it is in that realm, right? Only six games. So that's the statement from the National Football League. Dana Rossini who works for ESPN reported earlier today as well. in speaking with an anonymous general manager in the league about the six game suspension for Watson quote, the league wants to hold their players to high standards. Image is critical to keep growing the female fan base. I'd be surprised if the NFL doesn't appeal for that reason. So there's been a lot of reaction to like, okay, cool. We're set six games. We move on. We know what to do with the Browns from a betting perspective, uh, but it doesn't. And going back to Rappaport, he was actually on uh, Pat McAfee show earlier today and suggested that if the national football league were to appeal this suspension and make it longer, maybe even close to 12 or the whole entire season, that Deshaun Watson's camp would then move to, to, to take it to court. So, I don't think by any stretch this is really over. There's a sentiment that we can kind of move on to the rest of the you know week one. Let's see if they get Jimmy Garoppolo Bam Boom. It's all good. Don't think that's the case. But moving forward, at least with the information that we have here for Cleveland, if it is indeed going to be six games, you look at the first six games of their schedule and you realize that, you know what? This is a perfectly manageable schedule for the Cleveland Browns if they're not going to have Deshaun Watson. From the betting standpoint, they're in a very good position to still potentially win this division, to go over their win total. The first six games At the Panthers, home versus the Jets and the Steelers, on the road against the Falcons, home versus the Chargers and the Patriots. A home-heavy schedule for the first six games, of course, coming in Cleveland. If you look as well in terms of the level of opponent that they are facing, you can clearly tell that this is one of the easier schedules. I think it was Warren Sharp who put it out there that this is the easiest schedule And if we're talking about the first six games of the season. And you dive a little bit further in, a couple of things. First off, one, point spreads are now back up for this team. Superbook put out uh, point spreads for all of the games for every single team this year. DraftKings now has these six games up, and these games are back up across the board. And the numbers haven't really varied, but Carolina on the road, we know Cleveland is a one-point favorite. They're going to be laying about six and a half around a touchdown against the New York Jets at home. They're going to be laying about four at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I say about, these numbers are set and out there. I say about because things change from week to week, right? If they lose the game against the Panthers, their power rating will take a dip, so it might change. But as of this point right now, we're talking about a four-point spread at home versus Cleveland on the road against Atlanta, sitting around a three-point spread in favor of Cleveland, back home against the Chargers, home underdog of around two points, and then at home against... New England, Cleveland around a field goal touch, or excuse me, a field goal favorite. The other interesting aspect about this, it's not just the fact that it's an easy schedule or the fact that they're favored in the vast majority of their games. How about this? Five of the six opponents for Cleveland ranked 15th or worse last year in rush defense DVOA by football outsiders metric, and four of them, the New York Jets, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Los Angeles Chargers, ranked 26th or lower against the run, if we're talking about efficiency against the run from a defensive standpoint. So all of these things put together – You look at the AFC North, if we're, again, running with the assumption that six games will hold, which I'm not entirely sure that's going to be the case and what's going to happen from there, this not only sets up really nicely for them, I mean, they're going to be a team that is in contention to go over their win total because Jacoby Brissett won't have to do that much against some of the worst run defenses in the NFL and a team that already prides itself on running the ball. And on top of that, you're talking about a team that's in the range of about plus 240, depending on where you shop to win their division. Uh, this is not by any means a team that is, should be counted out when it comes to the AFC North, if this is indeed what we're going to be looking at here for the Cleveland Browns. So again, just to reiterate, NFL's got three days to appeal this. We already know that the NFLPA won't, so we'll see what comes of that. And this is just speculation on my part, but we've also seen too if this thing goes to court, does that mean that this gets stayed? And who knows what happens at the beginning of the year after that? So again, the recommendation has been handed down: six-game suspension, no fine. We'll see if that's going to be the case. And uh, are those those updated odds? Huh? Can we throw those up from BetMGM? Three to one uh, to win the AFC North. Again, if we're talking about just six games in one of the more manageable first six games of the NFL season, if you're talking about that from a purely betting standpoint, it would not be surprising to see the Cleveland Browns with a victory, with a victory, uh, with a record of about four and two through the first six games, maybe three and three. But even three and three would be a victory, given how good the division is. Okay, two twenty-five. Thanks, Santos. So yeah, plus two twenty-five. Still in that around that range. Three to one would be kind of a gift. That'd be very much worth looking at. But still, the Browns get out of there three and three, four and two, perfectly manageable, especially a six-game stretch that does not include in a, a divisional opponent, uh, which is obviously a really big deal. So with that, we move on because it is. Game week, as Pritch said, Hall of Fame game comes up later today. Jacksonville is going to take on the Las Vegas Raiders in Canton, Ohio. Raiders had their last practice today before they head out to Canton, and we've had some movement here, and I think this is a pretty interesting game. Uh, There's a couple of spots that now have the Jacksonville Jaguars as a one-point favorite. DraftKings is one of those. Here at the South Point, we're down to pick with a total of 32.5. That move comes on the heels of... Some really vague comments that the Raiders aren't going to be playing anybody, I figured, because it's the preseason, not even like like super week one, I guess you want to call it. We call it week zero of the preseason, uh, right? It's the extra preseason game. Hall of Fame game, rarely you see anybody in terms of starters, and if you do, it's three handoffs, and then you get out of there. Uh, but Jacksonville is now moving to be the favorite in the spot, and I think when you look at this game overall, one... I think Jacksonville is the side. But the other part of this is when you evaluate preseason games, we always talk about this, right? Information is always key, so information will move these lines. You'll see massive swings depending on what we learn about rotations and who's going to play and who's not. But I find Jacksonville really interesting, not only from the perspective of this game, but the preseason as a whole. So I wanted to roll through a couple of numbers. Uh, first off, their quarterback depth chart. It's one of the first things that you kind of look at, right, when you're talking about evaluating preseason teams. Now, you'll note that Trevor Lawrence is not listed because we know that Trevor Lawrence is there, and we don't know what his play likes is going to be or his playing time is going to be like. But C.J. Beathard, Jake Luton, and then Kyle Slaughter are on this quarterback depth chart. Now, Kyle Slaughter did not participate in the 2021 preseason, but if you look at Beathard and Luton, especially Beathard, by the way, you know that Beathard was the highest Highest graded PFF passer last year in the preseason, completed 67% of his passes, nearly eight yards per attempt, three touchdowns, one interception, turnover-worthy play rate, uh, 0%. Jake Luton, of course, 77.4%. You see 6.1 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, and no turnover-worthy plays. And the reason why I wanted to throw this up there is because, again, depth is very important. I think Jacksonville's actually got some really good, intriguing quarterback depth when it comes to the preseason. I did not, Santos, if you noticed, include the Raiders. Why? Because Jarrett Stidham didn't play, and you don't have any stats for the other guys uh, when it comes to the preseason from last year, and there's a rookie on there too, Jay Scarbers. So when you look at the Raiders from that standpoint... I'm not entirely thrilled with what they have, again, from a preseason standpoint, a quarterback outside of Derek Carr. And we know that Carr, there was one report the other day as part of a training camp notes, I think it was up in the Athletic, uh, that Carr, more than likely, when it comes to the Hall of Fame game, going to go out there, get some pregame work, take a shower, and then just watch the game from the sideline. So we've kind of seen this coming for the Raiders. All that being said, I do think that Jacksonville is the team that's to back here. It's down to pick. Again, other spots minus one. Would not be surprised to see them go off as the favorite. The other interesting aspect of this, though, is that Jacksonville pretty much doesn't have a kicker. Uh, So what that means for them in terms of when they get into those areas, are they going to go for field goals? What the scoring is going to be like helps the under there, too, by the way. And the under is a very popular selection. Uh, But not surprising to see the Raiders go from a one and a half point favorite. This one's down to pick and in some spots, one it's also a really small indication of what information can do in the NFL preseason, but I'd also look at Jacksonville in the preseason as a whole. I think it's a team like kind of like Las Vegas, excuse me. I had a dry throat. I was getting choked up. Um, kind of like Las Vegas when it comes to right, implementing a new system and a new coaching staff, uh, but with intriguing quarterback depth and – dare we say, proven preseason quarterbacks, and we have those, right? Cooper Rush for a while has been like a preseason darling when it comes to NFL preseason betters. Bethard was awesome, and he was dealing with a groin injury around OTs. It does seem like he's going to be fine and ready to go. Uh, but if you have Bethard, you have Luton, and you have Slaughter, who Slaughter, by the way, a few years ago actually had some really good preseason games himself, I think Jacksonville is going to be a team to back in the preseason once we get along, and of course – by a game-to-game scenario, if we get more information on how they're going to handle those. So, all right, with that, we move on. Uh, we got a lot to get to on the show. Coming up next, we have the Edge preseason top forty poll. We got two teams to unveil for you in fifteen minutes. We're going to talk to Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus, and at the end of the show, best bets, NFL win totals. I've added a win total. It's going to tie into the conversation that we're going to talk to Ben Brown about some NFL futures as well. Before we dive into a pretty good card to Major League Baseball, although it is somewhat short, we're very fascinated to see what is going to go down between Seattle and. New York, and what looks like a potential high-scoring affair with Marco Gonzalez and Emiliano Herman on the hill. It's yetch here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... This is The Edge
3: on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: College football guide is out now, folks. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over under recommendations. Plus, our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VCEN All Access subscriber. Sign up early and for a discounted $175, you receive the College of Football Betting Guides along with full VCEN access all the way through the Super Bowl or join us for. $40 a month and see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. I was going to say part of the family. ah, like, oh, Wow, that's really nice. Really nice. Alright, it is the Edge here on VEASAN. Speaking of the Edge family at least, uh, Matt Humans, he's out for today. He'll be back tomorrow uh, after a very, very deserved four week, four day, four week, uh, four day weekend uh, for Matt, who I won't reveal his location. I don't know if he's comfortable doing that in any way whatsoever. Uh, Alright, Really quickly, so before we get to the edge top 40, I just wanted to add, too, because we were talking about this off the air, uh, one of the reasons, too, or something to like keep track of here with the Raiders is that their defensive tackle position uh, has been kind of all over the place when it comes to health and availability. It was already one of the weaker position groups uh, in on their roster and mainly in the National Football League, potentially, um, That is something to watch, too, because as they've been a little banged up at a position of weakness, uh, I think that depth is going to get pretty bad as you move throughout the preseason. Not sure how good the Raiders are going to be from a preseason standpoint, but have the Jacksonville Jaguars circled as a team that potentially back consistently as the preseason gets started because like a lot of what they have from a quarterback depth standpoint in a preseason sort of deal. All right. With that, the Edge Top 40 rolls on. For those who weren't with us on Friday, we got to win Vail, number 25, Iowa. The Hawkeyes, a fascinating team uh, because uh, what they were able to do from a turnover differential standpoint last year, they've always been a really good turnover team, as we were talking about that with Paul Stone on Friday, the fact that, if you look at it, the last three seasons, for example, they're plus 30 in terms of turnover differential. They're a team that plays pretty tight offensively, so they don't turn the ball over themselves. So you tend to get that going with Iowa on a year-to-year basis, although turnover differential is a cat That is kind of representative of a team that is due for a swing in another direction, but the way that they play conservatively of offense and aggressively on defense, you tend to see that trend continue with the Iowa Hawkeyes. So let's move on to number 24 on the edge preseason top 40 poll and checking in at number 24 would be the Cincinnati Bearcats. Pretty fascinating team coming off of a college football playoff berth uh, that loses a lot of talent from last year's squad. That, of course, includes Desmond Ritter, who is off to the National Football League. Ritter's not the only one, though. Uh, They lose a lot of talent on that defense. As you see there, returning starters, eight on offense, five of which come along the offensive line, five on defense. Guys to watch, though, and one of them being Ben Bryant, quarterback, junior. Uh, But key games for them as well, Arkansas September 3rd, Indiana September 24th. But when you evaluate this team as a whole, What's going to be fascinating is, I think, how they play on the defensive side. Because you, you see the fact that they are missing six guys from last year's squad. Their defense was a really big part of it. And this is a talented team that recruits extremely well. But when you're talking about losing guys like Sauce Gardner to the National Football League and a vast majority of a defense, that was one of the big reasons why you made it as far as you did. On top of your quarterback and Desmond Ritter this is going to be pretty fascinating to see what the bounce back is like for Cincinnati as we head into this year. Now, you look at it too from the uh, standpoint of Ben Bryant, there is going to essentially be a quarterback competition here uh, for Cincinnati's quarterback position, but whoever it's going to be, uh, they have the benefit of lining up behind, I think, one of the better offensive lines in that conference. When you have five guys coming back that paved the way uh, for a really good running game a season ago, that's going to be something that is going to benefit a lot of these guys, right? Ben Bryant, highly to recruit Evan Prater is the other guy that you're going to have to watch here in terms of the quarterback battle. I would assume uh, that Ben Bryan, who comes in from Eastern Michigan and actually is a one-time Bearcat, is going to be the favorite to win this job. Uh, But as many have reported and kind of alluded to, it's probably a battle that goes all the way up to their first game against Arkansas. Now, from another betting standpoint, regular season win total, nine shaded to the over at minus 140 for Cincinnati. These odds all courtesy of DraftKings. Conference win total is six and a half, heavily shaded to the under at minus 170. AAC championship win, at plus 190 and to make the college football playoff at 20-1, to which seems a little short just given the turnover there. But if you look, and this is almost like it's not to the extreme of UCLA, uh, but when you look at what their schedule looks like, this is what sets up for a really good opportunity for the Bearcats because they have an extremely manageable schedule. Outside of having to open up on the road against Arkansas – Uh, This is, we look across the board, three consecutive games uh, in the state of Ohio. You're talking about Cincinnati playing host to Kennesaw State, Miami, Ohio. I think that's at Paul Brown, if I remember correctly. Then you play host to Indiana before going on the road October 1st to take on Tulsa. And even when you get into these matchups in conference play, conference play sets up really nicely for Cincinnati in terms of at least getting some of the lesser teams in the American now there are some tough spots here you have to go on the road against UCF Uh, you get to take on East Carolina but that is going to be at home but if you look at it as a whole Cincinnati's got a manageable schedule here where they're going to push for that nine win mark and you can understand why it is shaded to the over because there's opportunity here I tend to lean to the under given what we don't know about what this defense is going to look like with all the missing personnel but still Cincinnati very much going to be in the running for their third consecutive conference title, if that's going to be the case. So Bearcats very much set up for success. On the national scale, like they have been the last two seasons, probably not. But again, in terms of winning their conference, they will absolutely be there. And if this defense starts to hit in terms of some of the guys that are replacing, especially in that secondary, then the Cincinnati Bearcats can be set up for success pretty nicely coming into 2022. Now, that's our next ranked team, right? We are well into our top 25. Number 24 checking in, that would be the Cincinnati Bearcats. Well, unveiling 2022 two more teams today or one more team two teams total checking in at number 23 we go to the big 12 and that would be oklahoma state who gets this one oklahoma state of course coming off of a successful season uh, last year competing in the big 12 title game there's a lot of questions about what the cowboys are going to look like especially again on defense but on offense you focus on spencer sanders who's coming back here of course for oklahoma state eight guys overall coming back of this offense there shouldn't be much of a drop off there but you do wonder with so much missing personnel defensively for a team that was really solid a season ago, what that's going to look like in terms of playing on that end of the ball. But it doesn't seem to be a ton of dynamic offenses in the big 12. So maybe they're going to help out there. But Sanders is, I think a little bit of a wild card. If you look at Spencer Sanders from last year, the term for Spencer Sanders has kind of been uh, erratic, if you will, in terms of his play and it's true. Seven interceptions between two games against Baylor a season ago. Not really dynamic in terms of the quarterback, to, or excuse me, the uh, touchdown to interception ratio. Last year, just 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. If you look at it, under 3,000 yards as a quarterback, too. Uh, he has athleticism, rushed for nearly 700 yards a season ago, so that adds to his game. But what's uh, what Spencer Sanders in this offense looks like, and if he's going to start to even out and, I would say, distance the gap between touchdowns and interceptions as he enters another year here with Mike Gundy, it's going to be a question. By the way, uh, if Spencer Spencer Sanders goes down, you don't love the quarterback depth behind him, which includes Mike Gundy's son. And um, I don't think they've thrown a pass, if I remember correctly, in Division I football. But Oklahoma State checks in at number 23, given what they have coming back on offense. And if you look at them, too, from a win total and betting standpoint, 8.5 shaded to the under at minus 125. Conference win total of 5.5 shaded to the over at minus 135. Big 12 championship winner, well, that's plus 550 and to make the college football playoff at 12-1. to I'm not the biggest fan of Oklahoma state coming into this year in the big 12. I talked about this on the Sunday show a couple of days ago, that if you were evaluating the big 12 and you were going um, different spots other than Oklahoma or Texas to win this thing, for me, it was going to be Baylor as opposed to Oklahoma state. Again, I I want more out of a Spencer Sanders type. It's, Solid, I think, a baseline to play, which you get from them in terms of your quarterback position. But I think you want more um, dynamic quarterback play at times from Spencer Sanders and a guy who has, of course, a tendency to turn the ball over against some better defenses. And here's the other part about this too. If you look at their schedule in terms of Oklahoma state football and what they're going to be able to do this year, there is some opportunity for a really hot start. But then once you get into conference play, where I believe the big 12 is going to have a ton of parity, I think that's where the questions begin as to pushing for, you know, nine, 10 wins. If you're betting this thing over, but opening up against central Michigan and Arizona state, Arkansas pine bluff. Uh, those are three games, which Oklahoma state should win and get off to a three and zero start, but then it ratchets up immediately. Two of the next three games at Baylor, at TCU. TCU, of course, a team that's got 18 starters back from last year. Sonny Dykes entering his first season. A really intriguing team, I think, TCU is. A home game against the Texas Tech squad that some have labeled as a feisty upstart type of squad, I guess, if you will. Uh, And, like, the road spots in the Big 12 play for Oklahoma State are pretty tough, right? It's Baylor, it's TCU, Kansas State. We'll maybe even throw Kansas in there. A lot of people think Lance Leopold's going to have this team going in the right direction. Oklahoma... This is a schedule that I don't really think sets up very nicely for Oklahoma State when it comes to going over the win total, especially when you consider that a lot of these games – they look like on the surface they are going to be coin flip spots for the Cowboys, right? Especially those road games where uh, that's going to be pretty tough and more than likely, except for the Kansas game, you would think they're going to be underdogs in every single one of those contests. So Oklahoma state, while they have some good personnel coming back specifically on offense, I do think that this is going to be one where I'm, I'm looking to bet them under the total and not, not look for them to have success when it comes to big 12 play. So Preseason college football top 40 here on the edge. We are through number 23. The two teams we unveiled today, number 24 Cincinnati, number 23 Oklahoma State. I Actually, I'm fascinated by this because I don't have access to like our final poll, so I have no idea what these teams are until Matt sends them over the night before. So I'm learning with everybody else the same way. Uh, the edge preseason top 40, they're rolling on. And we'll have uh, – what, are we doing two more tomorrow? Do you know? I think we're – yeah, one more. Okay, we'll do one more tomorrow, uh, unveiling number 22 as we get into the top 20. All right, on the other side, let's get back to the National Football League. Uh, I want to talk about some of the worst teams in the NFL. I'm pretty fascinated by that just because teams are not as bad as you really think they're going to be. So we'll talk about some of the lower power-rated teams. And my candidate for worst record this season in the National Football League, will ask Ben Brown of PFF Next.
3: This is The Edge on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details and please drink responsibly. It is The Edge here on Visa the sports Betting Network. We roll on today. Matt Humans will be back tomorrow. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the NFL. Ben Brown, nice enough to give us some time, betting a data over at PFF, one of my favorite sites. Great handicapping tool as well, premium stats. Ben, it's good to talk to you. Uh, so let's start with the news of the day, of course, and we'll talk about it just from a betting standpoint because, look, I, I opened the show with this. I don't think this is any close to being over. The NFL can appeal within the next three days, whatever. But let's just run with the thought of we know he's going to be done for six games. If you run through their schedule and you look at those six games, likely going to be favored in five out of the six contests, depending how the schedule breaks down and what actions happen before, you know, in a lot of those contests. And if you look even further, it's actually some of the worst run defenses in the National Football League from a season ago. This sets up really nicely, even without him there, that they could go three and three, four and two, still be in the thick of things when everything's said and done, if it is indeed six games, Right.
6: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think from, you know, an on-field perspective, this has to be, you know, an absolute win for Cleveland Browns. Obviously, we saw some of this writing on the wall a little bit when the schedule was released as far as they were gonna have a really Easy first four set of games should be able to win, uh, you know, even without, you know, Jacoby Brissett playing all that great of football. They've obviously, uh, you know, were close to a playoff team last year with a uh, hampered Baker Mayfield. So I do think, you know, the rest of the team kind of being able to carry them through these first six games uh, seems to be the position that they're going to be in four and two. Now, the question is what is the rest of the division going to be like right obviously people are buying into Baltimore uh, improving dramatically on their injury situation kind of looking like the team to beat potentially in the AFC North Uh, and people are down on you know the Cincinnati Bengals which I think is maybe a little bit uh, of an oversight or overstated right now just given the fact that they've actually improved pretty dramatically along the offensive line no real uh, drop-offs basically in any sort of position so I think the Bengals are probably the spot that I really want to be backing in the AFC North right now
4: you know it's funny you mention that because we are going to talk about the bad teams but I agree with you and it's weird you see this thing in this market right a Cincinnati Bengals for example multiple spots win total of 10 Ravens win total of nine and a half and yet it's the Bengals who are the second choice in that division uh, to win it and I would agree with you and it's if you look around the analysis around Cincinnati is mostly just that yeah, Super Bowl hangover like I get right. it we have a large sample size of that but if you talk about being better and the probability of them winning that division I would be in your camp which is I think the Bengals arguably might have the best shot at winning this division given everything we know at this point
6: yeah, exactly. And I do think, you know, you look at where Super Bowl odds kind of were first released back in, you know, early February. The Bengals were the fourth shortest odds at yep. that time, around like plus 1,200, plus 1,400. Uh, they've shifted all the way down to 12th, right? Plus 2,500, drop of over, over 3% implied probability. So uh, the 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 assumptions around the Bengals seem to be all negative, and that's kind of being priced into the market right now. And I do think the assumptions for, you know, the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens uh, have only been positive. And I do think that's probably just uh, a slight overcorrection right now for my perspective.
4: Alright, so it's fun to talk about the good teams, but I don't care about the good teams, now. I want to talk about some of the bad teams, and this is, can be an intriguing conversation in and of itself. So, if you look at you know, future odds, whatever it is, we get some pretty consistent candidates for worst teams in the NFL. We have the Houston Texans, we have the Atlanta Falcons, uh, the New York Jets, some have thrown the Giants in there, which I would argue against. I think the Giants are kind of a sneaky sexy team for being like, you know, over the win total, whatnot. I've gone over that a lot of the show. So, I'll ask you, from from PFF standpoint, who projects to be the worst team? Because I have a candidate to submit, but I want to see if I'm sniffing on the right track here
6: yeah definitely so we actually show just a little bit of value on the Chicago Bears to finish with the worst record in the NFL Uh, I think we have right around like a three percent value proposition on them to finish worse I do think that is going to take in you know the 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 Green Bay Packers need to be at the top of their range of outcomes right and I do think that also factors in both Detroit and Minnesota being uh better than they were last year as well but if that plays out uh Chicago is unfortunately uh kind of self self destructing in a lot of ways and not really taking advantage of Justin Fields, you know, opportunity window on that rookie contract. So I do think if you're betting, you know, worst record in the NFL, uh, the Bears just show too much value right now at their current price.
4: That was the team I was going to submit. And and if you no. look at the, their off season, I, I don't know what you, I mean, maybe you, maybe you can tell me what do they do to help out Justin Fields? The offensive line uh, from, a, from a paper standpoint and looking at grades from last year, everybody on that roster graded very subpar in terms of pass blocking. Seven Jenkins, their second round pick from last year is supposed to be the guy is all of a sudden on odds with their coaching staff, and he didn't even grade out that well last year. I just wonder, he had Justin Fields, by your guys' numbers, he was pressured on 42.8% of his dropbacks. I don't know how that much gets that much better this year
6: right and I I do think like all the news surrounding them uh, just makes it seem even worse right And I do think you know buying into this regime change things kind of shifting it's been all negative and the Devon Jenkins you know situation basically of him you know not necessarily asking to be traded but definitely on the trading block now after one year of you know up and down play from an injury perspective it just doesn't make a lot of sense we had them basically 30th overall I would say in our you know pass blocking grade there's no real way that they can improve on that their wide receiver unit I would say definitely thinner than they were last year as well I know Darnell Mooney is a guy that a lot of people want to take you know this sort of sophomore step or junior year step basically in his third season but that's a lot to ask from a guy and they just don't have a ton behind him as well so I think the concern is valid they're going to be worse defensively as well so if you buy into the Detroit Lions uh, being better I do think that the Bears could potentially get swept in the NFC North and don't yeah. necessarily have the easiest of schedules here coming out either so. Yeah,
4: and, and that was kind of the other angle I was going to go with uh, of these teams that we have kind of deemed the worst in the NFL which would probably be the best of them and I my candidate was going to be Detroit Detroit. Is, would that be an accurate assessment there?
6: I do think so, and I do think you know, you know, if you look at you know, uh, you know, performance last year, basically, you know, you mentioned it earlier. People think you know the Giants could be a little bit better. I still personally uh, am a Zach Wilson believer. I think he's had some positive sentiment maybe uh, this offseason as well, building up a little bit. But I do think you know the offensive pieces around him, although young, uh, could definitely be playmakers. I think Elijah Moore flashed quite a bit in his rookie season. I'm a big Garrett Wilson fan as well, and I do think Robert Sala is kind of building his defense, right? And so in his second season, I do expect that defense, especially the front seven to kind of take a little bit of a step forward. I think solid is definitely the guy to actually get the most out of some of those young players along that defensive line. And I think they're the team that I, you know, despite you know, could be somewhat of a tough division. I think they're the team that I would expect to make most the, the most dramatic leap. I would say uh, in 2022,
4: uh, the other bad team I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I'm curious have how bad this gets for Atlanta uh, Marcus Mariota, of course, named the starter pretty early here. Wide receiver course seems pretty thin and and lacking in some talent what do you make of Atlanta and how bad this gets for the Falcons and I would assume they're going to be in contention for worst record this year win total of four and a half slightly shaded to the over Uh, but I can't find many positives for the Falcons as we head in 2022 to go over that win total
6: yeah yeah I definitely agree with you I do think you know the one positive could be Desmond Ritter starting by you know week eight week nine uh, week ten sort of situation finding out what he's actually capable of uh, getting some playmakers around him, I do think if they actually, you know, uh, make amends with Calvin Ridley, he's back in 2023. They do have a pretty dynamic uh, receiving unit. If Drake London is as good as advertised here early on as a rookie, they do have Kyle Pitts as well. So I do think, you know, looking out into the future, maybe they're a team that can kind of rebuild quickly. Especially if they did hit on, you know, Desmond Ritter being kind of that guy at quarterback, at least, you know, somewhat in the same sense of like a Jalen Hurts type player. If they can kind of Figure him out to be like that. Maybe there's a window on his rookie deal uh, where the Atlanta Falcons could be successful, but I do think that's a lot pending on Desmond Ridder. So not a lot of you know bright upside or outlook for the Atlanta Falcons in 2022.
4: So uh, last year, I think one of the things that was a, a really good betting angle, and we know that actually was I to say, I think uh, the Lions covered 64.7 percent of their games last year. Right? They went 11 and six in the regular season ATS. So my question would be, of these teams that are at the bottom from the you know, win total standpoint, future standpoint, who, who would be the team that? It's got the potential to be bad team record wise, but really good bet on team. Could it be the jets? Could it be another candidate?
6: I kind of like the Houston Texans, right? And I do think, you know, Davis mills, uh, probably still much blind actually flashed decent, you know, quarterback play last year was a guy, you know, coming out into college uh, top side after quarterback recruit. Kind of flashed a little bit in his rookie season. I do think they're kind of a sneaky team to be better than what the betting market expects right now. Obviously, their price is you know the worst team in the NFL uh, week in and week out. So I like the Texans to potentially be you know close to you know the covering warriors here of the 2022 season. I do think they have you know the pieces in place defensively with Lovey Smith kind of at the helm. Uh, I do think they could win or at least keep it close in a lot of games in order to kind of cover that spread.
4: Yeah, win total four and a half for the Texans shaded to the under minus at minus one fifteen and free rolling it with Davis mills doing the right thing. Cause they've right. been rumored to go get Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't really understand that. Like why would they try to maximize this roster? See if Davis mills hits. If he doesn't guess what, we can be one of the worst teams in the NFL and get a good pick.
6: Right. Exactly. And that, and that 2023 quarterback class, I do think is going to be, you know, one of the best ones we've seen, Uh, you know, obviously the Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson hype lived up to it. I do think this 2023 class is at least going to come somewhat close to it uh, when it's all said and done after this college football season.
4: Ben, it's always good to talk to you, man. Football's here Thursday. We get the hall of fame game. So uh, it's, it's pretty much over. The off season's done. We get to see the Raiders and the Jags go at it on Thursday. So we're looking forward to it and always look forward to talking to you, man. Thanks for the time. Uh,
6: Thanks. Have a great show, JVT.
4: Appreciate it, man. Ben Brown, again, pro football focus, the spot. And uh, can't, I mean, I don't get paid for it, but still, uh, I would say that one of the tools that has helped me out the most in terms of football handicapper, their statistical database, along with uh, others like Football Outsider, very much a big help for me as a handicapper. All right, let's take our break here. Uh, So we're going to kind of tie in what we're talking about here with some of the worst teams in the NFL, uh, because they did add a win total. And it's a different way, you know, there's different ways to attack this whole thing with Chicago. Because I don't really like the Bears a lot, like in any way whatsoever. And the crappy part about it is you don't think it really has anything to do with Justin Fields. It has everything to do with the team that really failed to build around him in this offseason. So we'll go over the details of that uh, because we have an addition on the NFL win totals. We'll also go over everything when it comes to futures for the National Football League that I've got up to this point. And our first bet of the 2022 NFL season. Man, football is here. It begins on Thursday.
0: Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win. Relationships matter. And only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, This is The Edge on vSEN,
3: the sports betting network.
4: Welcome back. This segment of The Edge is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zen understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. But whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step toward change, Zen will be there for you. Check out Zyn Nicotine Pouches at Zyn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning, product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right. It is the edge on Visa, the sports Betting Network. Really quickly, I uh, want to know, because it is, you know, trade deadline uh, rapidly approaching. We did get big news, and trades continue to go down. Looks like Yankees got Frankie Montas. Uh, let's see. we Josh Hader, of course, on the move as well to the Padres. Angels being reported uh, to keep Shaquille Town on the deadline. You want to know why I know all this? Because I went to the Visa website where we have a live blog being run by one Adam Burke, who is breaking down everything from a trade deadline standpoint. So if you want up-to-date information on how the trade deadline, is impacting betting odds. Hit up com. Go to the MLB section, or it's at the front page, too. 2022 MLB trade deadline. Quite the piece that you're going to want to check out up on the website or on the VEASAN app. We don't promote the app enough. huh? Check out the app. Download that. Be a subscriber. You get the college football betting guide. Just bam, promotion after promotion. Team players here on the edge. All right, let's get to best bets. Um, a lot of this is future stuff. Added a win total as well. So shopping around... Um, For Chicago Bears' win totals, and and 6.5 is pretty much the predominant win total out there. Um, I figured that this was going to be a little bit lower uh, when it came to Chicago. And their win totals this year, because I'm very much in the belief, if you look at this, you evaluate this roster, I don't know if this offensive line is going to be any better in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I, And this isn't a, a knock on fields. I just don't think the guy's going to have a chance behind what could be one of the poorer offensive lines in the NFL. So you can either go six and a half, lay a price on Chicago to do so, or as we were talking about with Ben Brown, the Bears very much could be a team that is in contention to be one of the worst teams in the NFL as he said I think it was what he said 3% edge on the Bears having the worst record in the NFL by their numbers over at Pro Football Focus so instead of going six and a half under minus 145 Circa's got a flat six with the uh, over favorite so a plus 105 price tag on the under six and that's the direction I went with Chicago Uh, I think there's very much if you look at this evaluate them by their schedule standpoint uh, it comes out to I think a little bit just over five and a half wins as opposed to the six and a half number so I think betting under six at a plus 105 price uh, more than fair for the Chicago Bears so f- overall four win totals for me as we head into the 2022 NFL season three of them unders Patriots under eight and a half of that even price tag Giants over seven at minus 105 49ers under 10 at minus 120 and the Chicago Bears under six at plus 105 Now, the NFL futures, uh, there are a couple of things that I've added there. Two offensive rookie of the year bets, uh, as well as I do have that. I think I've talked about this on the air, but I do have the Colts 30-1 to Super Bowl ticket, like the day before they got Matt Ryan, where it seemed like that was going to be the case. Uh, But two offensive rookie of the year candidates for me to add to the portfolio. There's Sky Moore over at Circa as well. uh, To win offensive rookie of the year, that 14-1 to is still available. And a majority of other shops, we're still talking about like 9, 10-1, something like that. But Sky Moore for Kansas City, I think, is a very, very viable candidate to win offensive. Offensive rookie of the year in that wide receiver room, looking for some depth. I think Cole Hardman is probably on his way out, at least in terms of, I shouldn't say like from the team, but in terms of regularly contributing uh, as a starter. I think it's going to be more Sky Moore than anything else. If you read reports, they really like what Sky Moore brings to the table. Very good candidate there. It's going to be Sky Moore 14 to 1 to win offensive rookie of the year, and Rashad White to win offensive rookie of the year at 40 to 1. Tampa Bay Buccaneers running back, who, as we talked about, in a really good situation for the Buccaneers, behind Leonard Fournette, who came in a little bit overweight. I think he's got the skill set that Tom Brady's going to like. And you do wonder, with the, I would say, emerging thinness of the interior of the offensive line for Tampa Bay, if that opens up more opportunities for a back out of the backfield. Tom Brady loves his backs out of the backfield. And I think Rashad White, who by all indications – People in Tampa Bay really love the guy. Both fan and uh, executive and coaching staff alike thinks it sets up pretty nicely for Rashad White to win Offense Rookie of the Year, at least at that price. And again, if you shop around, you can get 40-1. to 1. That was a bad MGM. Circa is over up uh, – he's got him at like 22-1, to 23-1. So there are some spots – a little off-market at that 41 price tag, I believe, and so I'm going to back Rashad White to an offensive rookie of the year at 41. Also, I mentioned the first bet of the NFL season. Uh, I will back Jacksonville to um, go over, I can go over, to take the um, Hall of Fame game, essentially. They're a pick pretty much in a lot of spots. There's also some minus ones out there in favor of Jacksonville. I believe that Jacksonville is going to go off as a small favorite here, so give me Jacksonville pick in the Hall of Fame game for the first side of the 2022 NFL season. Very, very excited. All right. With that, Major League Baseball last couple of minutes, a couple of games to go over. Uh, first off, Seattle and New York, fascinating series between these two. It's going to be exciting, uh, but not exactly a pitcher's duel to get us started here between the Yankees and the Mariners. You get Domingo Herman on one side. You get Marco Gonzalez on the other. And can I just say, this is why uh, it is beneficial to kind of look at these numbers and the underlying statistics for some of these guys. We've talked about this a couple of times on this show, and I know I brought it up on primetime action uh, the day that I was on with them. Marco Gonzalez was playing with fire if you looked at his underlying numbers. At one point, his ERA was around 3.5, but the Fielding Independent was around 5 or just above 5. This was a dude who was due for some regression, and sure enough, what happens, thir- uh, first three starts or the last three starts, we're talking about five run runs over six against Texas, five earned runs over five and two-thirds against Houston, calmed down a little bit last time we saw him with seven strong give up two earned runs against the Texas Rangers in a rematch that was back at home but now you're on the road facing this Yankees team and the Yankees are a $1.80 favorite because you would think that this lineup could get to Gonzalez 366 ERA but a 508 fielding independent so again Gonzalez is a guy I want to frequently go against uh, when the opportunity presents itself problem is on the other end you get Domingo Herman, who through seven and two thirds, and it's a very short sample size, has been every bit as bad as you expect him to be. A twenty-two ERA, seven forty-two fielding independent. And even if you want to go with the expected ERA, that thing's still over five at five point three two. So not entirely surprising. I mean, this total of nine shaded to the over minus one fifteen. We haven't really had a budge either way, at least in terms of Price In terms of the total, some spots did open $1.85 and we're down to minus one eighty. maybe a play against Domingo Herman, But this does, I think at least, instead of backing aside, set up to be a relatively high-scoring affair between two dudes who are not worth backing at this point as the starting pitchers for both New York and Seattle. Now, another starting pitcher that is very much worth playing against and was actually on the wrong side of starting that uh, beatdown at the hand of the Toronto Blue Jays a couple of weeks back. That would be Nate Eovaldi, and it's falling apart for Eovaldi, man. The velocity is down. He doesn't look like the same guy. His underlying numbers were telling you that there was something coming for him, and sure enough, his last two starts, he gives up the nine earned runs against Toronto, gives up four earnings against Cleveland The start after that. He has been... A nightmare. And the Astros here are a dollar seventy favorite against him. They're gonna send out Luis Garcia today as well. And we have seen a little bit of move toward Boston here. It actually opened up minus one seventy-five in some spots, down to minus one seventy, total of eight down to about 7.5, shaded to the over at minus 115. So double-check to see if maybe uh, – could you double-check, Santos, see if I missed a pitching change for potentially Houston? Um, not that this is like drastic moves, but if you look at the way that the Red Sox pitcher, the has been pitching, uh, it is not a game in which uh, would scream, hey, man, let's bet this thing under the total and back a little bit. The Houston Astros in this spot. So Luis Garcia, you can make the argument, and maybe this is part of it. 381 ERA, 416 fielding independent, if that's going to be the case. but And he's had a small problem with home runs. So you would put that out there, too. And I say small. 1.5 home runs every nine innings. Uh, but not anything that would be worth a move in the direction of the Boston Red Sox, specifically just with how poorly Nate Eovaldi has been pitching at this point. He's been absolutely on fire, but in a really negative way uh, for the Boston Red Sox. All right, with that last matchup here to watch, and this would be Los Angeles Dodgers taking on the San Francisco Giants. Giants, of course, as we know, uh, we have seen now this kind of thing is, I wouldn't call it a tailspin now. It's kind of evened out a little bit here, but the Giants, of course, uh, fighting for about a 500 record when the season comes to an end. We'll see if that's the case. Endured that losing streak uh, a little bit back, and now San Francisco in a rivalry spot here. Won their last two games, they're sitting at 500 right now, um, and you would expect maybe a little bit better play. They do have a solid run differential for a 500 team at plus 31, but you get Logan Webb tonight against Andrew Heaney. Opener here was about $1.30 in favor of L.A., depending on where you shopped. We're up to minus 132 in favor of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Logan Webb, though, you would think if there's going to be a guy that is going to get you a a pretty solid performance, especially as a small underdog at home, would be Webb. 291 ERA, 321 Fielding Independent. So, again, there's that differential between the ERA and Fielding Independent, but not to the point where it's worth jumping on, at least in my opinion, uh, as a better strikeouts as we know not the most dominant thing for Webb but he has been pitching well for San Francisco obviously and if you're looking at the plus price for the San Francisco Giants uh, at times their lineup has been very inconsistent to me it would probably be looking at a guy like Webb and the Giants however you get Andrew Heaney getting the start and through a small sample size now four starts Heaney's been rock solid for him man Uh, yes the 0.47 ERA sticks off the page but we're talking about a sub-2-5 fielding independent. The strikeouts are way up for Heaney. He's walking guys a little bit, but he's got that good balance of, well, he's walking quite a few guys. We're talking about 326 walks per nine. He's striking out over 12.5 guys per nine, too. So if, if you're walking guys, as long as you're striking guys out at a high rate, you can kind of find that balance, and Heaney has done just that up to this point. But it's a fascinating pitching matchup between these two, and the market's slowly moving in the direction of the Los Angeles Dodgers tonight. All right, with that, we are all done. Make sure you check out vcin.com. Thought Ben Brown was awesome today. We're talking about some of the bad teams in the National Football League and how to handle a few of them and our candidate to have the worst record in the NFL which would be the Chicago Bears also two things one live Major League Baseball trade deadline blog being run by Adam Burke up on the website and our college football betting guide which is up of course right now it's been up for a while pro football guide coming up in about two and a half three weeks until then we'll see you tomorrow here on The Edge.